What is good? Let's have some fun. It's the Fundamism Podcast with your host, Paul J. Long, and all things fun. We'll let the fun begin. Woo! What is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome, as always, to the Fundamism Podcast. I am your host, Paul J. Long, and we're brought to you by our sponsors, Charlie Hustle. We're coming to you live from Children's Mercy Hospital. That was a struggle. (laughs) Children's Mercy Hospital. And uh, Charlie Hustle actually has a really cool Children's Mercy Hospital shirt out. So if you want to learn more about that, feel free to go to charliehustle.com. You ladies and gentlemen know that I am a very excitable individual, but I couldn't be more excited for today's podcast. It's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time and based on schedules and, and uh, you know coordination, it's just been a struggle. But today, we're going to make some magic happen because one of the individuals that I look up to more than anybody in life is with us. And his name, Mr. Scott Wilson. What's good, Scott? How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks for letting me be on. Hey, no, thanks for being here. Uh, you and I, we share a uh, very, very strong connection, which we're going to get into and uh, have become very very close friends over the course of the last uh, several years. Lots of stories and experiences to get us to this point. But before we get to any of those, we like to start with every guest with one question. Uh, What do you do for fun, brother? What do I do for fun? Um, We we have a lot of fun. We try to have a lot of fun. But, you know, if I didn't think of the one thing, we love sporting events. You know, whether it's be the Royals, Chiefs, Sporting KC, Kansas City Mavericks, we love going out to sporting events. Um, we go as a family as often as we can, and it's a lot of fun for us. What's your most memorable moment uh, of a sporting event that you've attended? 2014 World Series. Yeah? Can't say Royals, yeah. And and then followed by the, the 2015 World Series. But um, for uh, for me, the 2014 World Series was the pinnacle just because our whole family was there. Noah was there. And the memories, the fun, the smiles. I mean, I still look at my phone. Time hop pops up, you know, and every sure. October – I get the time hop pictures, and it just it makes my whole week when I can go back to that that six day seven you know seven day period where we have to go to every home game for the World Series that the, the Royals played in KC that year, and uh, you know Noah could escape you know all the, the testings and the pokes and everything and just get out there and be a kid. And he loved the Royals, so for me, best memory of a sporting event is. 2014 World Series run. Well, and it's actually the moment that brought us together, yeah. right? So that that uh, that whole experience is is what exposed me to this incredible young boy that you've referenced several times, a gentleman by the name of Noah Wilson, uh, son of Scott and Deb Wilson. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, those of you that don't know Noah's story, this is the exact purpose of today's podcast. Uh, Noah's story is is one of resilience and perspective, and something that, as you know, Scott. Uh, I leverage in just about every keynote or workshop that I do because I just think that he was such an amazing individual and someone that a lot of folks could learn from. And so I'd like to just kind of delve into the story of Noah and learn a little bit more about what got you and I here together today. So at the age of six, Noah was diagnosed with a rare form of pediatric cancer called Ewing sarcoma. And I'll let you take it from there. Yeah. um, April 18th. 2014. Uh, leading up to that, for about 30 days or so, Noah's having back pain and leg pain. And 
my wife and I, Deb, um, were trying to figure out what it was. We went to a variety of different doctors and specialists and urgent cares and just all culminated on April 18th when we got the news that uh, your son has cancer. And it changed our lives. You know, it, um, no one is prepared for that. No parent is prepared for that. No child is prepared for that. Um, and it was beginning of this new journey that we were on as a family. And, and Noah just led the way, the whole way through it. And so, so before we go down that path, I mean, there's a lot of folks that tune into this podcast because it's something that gives them strength or they desire an outlet that will pull them out of whatever headspace that they're in and focus more on what's working. Obviously, it's not always rainbows and butterflies. And this is, um, this is one of the greatest fears that I have in life is, is seeing my child go through what your child did um, and what you and Deb and, and um, your other kiddos mm-hmm. have had to face. So in that moment when he was diagnosed, how did, what was going through your mind? How did you cope? What did you do? I, I mean, it's overwhelming, right? It, how did I cope? I didn't. I freaked out. Sure. You know? and, I, and, you know, my, my wife and I rely heavily on our faith, and all I could do is fall on my knees and start praying. Mm. It's like you, as a parent, your whole purpose of being a father, a mother, a you know, joint parent unit is to keep your kids safe, you know, to get them healthy and get them on and have them become successful in life. And when you're told, you know, your child has cancer, it's the most uncontrollable, overwhelming feeling because you have no control at that point. Mm-hmm. Your whole purpose of being a parent to keep your child safe is now gone because they're not safe and they're right. facing something that me as a dad who want to solve things I have no control. I can't do anything. Sure. And so you just feel vulnerable. You feel, in my case, overwhelmed. And all I could do is just pray and just be, Lord, I, I can't do a thing here, so help me. Sure. And you, you don't know what the answer is going to be, right? And so it's, it was hard. It took us, you know, we still, I still struggle and fight with the whys and all that. It's a never, something that never goes away. But, um, you know, you rally around with your family. And you're, in my case, my wife, she was my rock. And, uh, Together, we were able to, and with our son Noah and our other kids, Connor, Kaylee, and Natalie, able to just form a, a bond together and walk it every step together. Sure. That's how we did it. So uh, for those of you tuning in today, um, this is not a pleasant topic, obviously. And uh, you know, oftentimes we shy away from, from stories like this or, or feeling uh, overly emotional to the point of, of tears. And as you listen to this story, uh, if you're anything like me or those that attend, you know, any of the conferences that I do, I, you're going to hear this story and you're going to shed a tear. And of course, you know, the great Jimmy Valvano was just recently uh, Jimmy V Week, mm-hmm. uh, Raising Cancer Awareness. And he said, you know, if you could think, cry and laugh every single day, then that's a pretty darn good day. And the purpose of today's podcast is to provide perspective. And the reason why Scott is on here today is because he has faced, along with his wife and, and beautiful children, have faced the biggest uh, struggle that I could imagine facing as a parent. And as you get to know Scott and you hear him talk today, what you're going to find is that he has an incredible perspective and zest for life. And he's fun and he shows a genuine interest in other people. And so as you're listening to this, I just want you to consistently reflect on what you're going through in your life and think to yourself, gosh, this guy and his wife and his beautiful children faced one of the biggest challenges that any individual could face. 
And here he is talking openly about it and sharing his feelings and still being able to smile at the end of the day and shower others with positivity. So that's what I admire about you. And that's, Scott, that's what I admire about you. And that's what I want you guys to take away from from today's podcast. So he's diagnosed. What happens next? So we start the treatments. You know, once a child is diagnosed with cancer, uh, the treatments begin almost immediately. And there was a few days gap because we need to specifically find out what type of cancer, right? There's 16 childhood cancers. And we knew that for his was was a bone cancer, but they needed to go in and figure out exactly what it was. So they had to do some biopsies and things. So but we immediately got sent to Children's Mercy right here where we are. Um, and we were room 18, you know, over on the Four Henson Cancer Ward. And um, we, we spent that weekend there and Noah began the treatment process. And, you know, childhood cancer, any cancer, there's so many pokes, there's so many procedures, there's so many times that a child gets whisked away from their parents and they go in this room with doctors that they don't know, and it's overwhelming. And so Noah was experiencing this and going through this, and and one day, you know, the nurse came in and asked, you know, Noah, it's time for your, your shot, your daily shot, you know, let's, let's go. And he looked down and he's covering his, and looked down on his body and just covered in Band-Aids, you know, and this time he's like, you know what? When you're done, do you have like do you have a Batman band-aid? You know? And the nurse was like, Oh, Batman, that'd be really cool. No, we don't, unfortunately. I have a Sesame Street band-aid. You can do that. And you know, this sort of just look of of like disappointment comes over Noah. He's like, Really? A band-aid? You know, I'm six years old. You right. want to give me a, a Sesame Street band-aid? And so, you know, that moment, it, you know, is when Noah just started really you, you saw the wheels turning, you saw him start thinking, and from that you know, a couple of weeks later, he came to my wife and he's like, Mom, I want to collect cool fun band-aids for kids. You know, I want to, the hospital doesn't really have cool ones. I want to give my fellow patients some cool things and some, some fun. And, and that, that's how Noah fought this. Mm. He fought cancer by thinking of other people. And that's, you know, you asked me now and you, 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 I thank you for the, the intro. You know, my wife and I follow our son's lead. He showed us, taught us so much stuff about how to address life challenges. And that's how Noah did it. And that's, that's the beginning of his story was he took cancer and he looked at it in the, in the face and he's like, what, what good can come from this? Let's make some good come out of it. And, and that's how he fought his whole journey. And he fought for you know, 14 months um, of pokes and procedures and trials. Yet he just kept collecting band-aids and kept, you know, trying to meet people and make them smile. And there's so many stories we can talk about, about the people that he met and the, you know, the friendships that my wife and I have now because of people that Noah met and introduced us to. And right here, case in point. And so, you know, his story is, uh, is, is about, it's, it's, it's sad and it's, uh, it hurts, but I can't help but see the good that he brought out of it. Sure. And, so you, you a lot of topics that you yeah. just broached that I want to touch on, um, specifically his desire to help others and bring kindness into the world, um, the people that that he helped to introduce you to, and um, you mentioned the Royals Run, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I mean, there's so, so there's much. so much here, and man, we could talk for hours <laughs> and hours and hours. But uh, let's talk a little bit about band aids for just yeah. a brief moment. So. For us, and we talk about this regularly, you know, a bandage is just something that covers a wound, right? Mm-hmm. But you told me before that you'd be walking down the halls of Children's Mercy, 
and Noah would look at you and say, you know, it, it's like every kid is dressed the same and many kids don't have hair. And so he couldn't tell who was a boy or who, who yep. was a girl. Talk a little bit about what bandages mean to a child going through cancer or any struggle for that matter. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. I mean, uh, <coughs> my wife and I, and really any of our adult friends, never thought twice about a bandage, right? It was a wound cover. It's what you get after you're done with a procedure. It covers, make sure you don't bleed on your shirt, right? Right. But for Noah, the way he saw it was, and I mentioned this before, it's a cancer and any any illness is scary for these kids. Sure. Noah was six years old, you know, so he is small, he's fragile, he's fighting something that he doesn't know anything about, and all he knows is that he gets whisked away many times throughout the week, gets put under for anesthesia, comes out. One time he went in, he came out with his two front teeth gone because they were loose, and the doctors had to remove them so they didn't, like, fall down his throat. So he, he came out missing teeth. It's scary and overwhelming, right? And so for him, when he's done with that, he, he deserves a badge. That's true. You know, a badge of courage. And so that bandage becomes, like, a badge that he mm. can go show people, hey, I was brave. I overcame something scary. Look what I got. I got you know, Superman or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was his favorite. Leonardo, man. Sword. That was his guy. He was the natural leader. It was his guy. And so he loved TMNT bandages, right? And so, badge of courage. Um, Two, an identity. You said it. We'd walk down the hall and we'd see these most incredible, beautiful children walking next to us, you know, hooked up to their IV poles or their chemo poles. But they'd be in the hospital gowns and they'd be bald. And Noah would wave and they'd wave back and they'd smile. And then we'd, you know, a few feet later, he'd look at me and goes, was that a girl or a boy, Dad? And I'd be like, I don't know, buddy. But they were happy and they are smiling. They're cool, aren't they? Right. He goes, yeah. And so he thought, man, if they had a bandage to express themselves, to share with people what they like, what they don't like, it's a way that they can, they can you know, differentiate themselves and express themselves. And, and so he, he wanted to, to fix that. And then I think the third part was just, you know, a cool bandage is fun. Yes. And, and these kids who are the most incredible children you'll ever meet in your life who are fighting something that none of them deserve. They didn't do a thing, right? They're too young and innocent to have done anything to deserve what they have. Yet they fight it with such poise and grace and dignity. Man, if a bandage can bring a smile, that's fun. That's awesome. They deserve it. And so really those are the things that Noah taught us about a bandage that I think we as adults can make things far too complex. And it took you know, looking at something through the eyes of a child uh, to see how powerful something so simple as a, as a, a bandage can be. So badge of honor, yep. differentiator, something that's just fun. Fun. And that's Noah's Bandage Project, which mm-hmm. we're, we're going to get into here in a brief moment. But before we do, we talk a little bit more about what this, this icon, because really he is, he's, he's created such a legacy, Noah Wilson, here in Kansas City. And and starting to go more nationally, we've forged some really strong relationships and mm-hmm. uh, other hospitals and, and uh, schools. They're doing, they're doing bandage drives all over the place. So I want to talk a lot more about that process. But before we do, fun is a word that jumps out at me, obviously. <laughs> and I've seen countless videos of Noah, both um, while he was going through treatment and before he was going through treatment. And as adults, what we do is we, you know, we... We have a tendency to kind of justify our behavior, and we, when we start acting too, what folks may see as immature. We, oh, we're adults, you know, we got to yep. tone it back, right? And that's the one thing I admire about kids is they don't they don't think about that. They just live life, and that was Noah, man. He was always dancing and acting a fool, and he was somewhat of a natural introvert. Um, 
based on some of the interactions mm-hmm. that I had. But of course, my interactions are after diagnosis. So talk to us a little bit about his spirit and the way that he carried himself and the things that he did for fun. Oh man, he uh, he had a lot of fun. You know, he every memory I can think of is Noah smiling and having a blast, no matter where it is. You know, he uh, I remember when we were going to Disney World, right? And the week before we went to Disney World as a family, he fell at, at recess and cracked his head open, and he had to get uh, staples in his head. You know, and that experience is going to be something that's again bat. He took it. With, he got home. He's like, Dad, look at my staples. Right. You know? And he's showing me his staples in his head. And then that kept him from being able to go swimming and do all these things, fun things in Florida when we went down there. He still found ways on the side of the pool to be throwing stuff to his brother or his friend or whoever it is and, and just turn it into a, a way that he could have fun. So that's him. He, he was the best uh, funny face maker. Mm-hmm. You know, he would make the funniest faces just at the most random times. And, um, you know, a lot of the pictures that we have now of him are of him making a silly face. And and he would, uh, there was one video that my wife collected uh, one day when I was at work. He was up on up on the bed with my wife and they were talking. And he's like, hey, mom, let's play a game. You know, I want you to, to tell me a, an emotion and I'll make the face for it. And so it's like 10, 12 minutes of him just saying, okay, happy. And he goes, happy, sad, makes a sad face. And he's just, he loved emotion and he loved, you know, expressing himself through facial expressions and he would go from curiosity to excitement to fear to mad to happy all these different emotions he would just on the spot and make these little faces and so you know he found a way to have fun and and everything and um he just you know he wanted it wasn't just about him though Mm. you know it was about how can he make it fun for other people too so i mean there's stories of of him that I heard after the fact of at lunch, you know, he'd, he'd find that boy or that girl that was sitting by themselves and he'd go sit with them, you know, in kindergarten or he'd find that, that boy or girl on the playground that looked like they're by themselves and he'd bring them over and, and have them, you know, be part of what they'd want to do. So he was all about including people around him and, you know, yeah, he got, you know, he got in, in tussles with his siblings and stuff at times and, and, you know, he had to be corrected from here and there, but he brought such peace everywhere that he went and uh, he could walk into a room and just, you know, his presence there just made things better. Sure. And so that's, you know, that's Noah. He's, I think his, his, his attitude, his outlook, that's what made him so much fun to be around and, and what really carried him through these last stages of his life. Well, I think there's so much to take from this story. And um, one of which, you know, we're always looking for things to get through the monotony of the day. And, as you, as you know, fundamentalism, the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. And I hear that and mm-hmm. I can't, that the funny face deal or not even funny face, like give me an emotion and I'll show you the face. That's something that any one of us can yeah. do. Like you're having a bad day at work and you say, Hey Scott, let's take, let's take two and a half minutes. Get, give me a, an emotion and I'm going to show you a face for it. And I know many of you are like, man, screw that. I'm, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I ain't six. You know what I mean? Yeah. But how cool is that? Yeah. And that to me is a fundamental of living an optimistic and fun life. I mean, those are the little things that could pull you out of any rut. So it's not news to me that I was connected with Noah and then ultimately was brought or blessed to be to uh, to be connected with you and Deb. So let's talk a little bit about Brittany, uh, because I know that happened here at Children's Mercy, yeah. and I know that that is a perfect example of what you're talking about, where 
he's showering somebody else with something. So uh, Brittany Kistner was a girl who uh, is a warrior as well. Um, she was faced with uh, the challenge of, of fighting cancer, and they met here at Children's Mercy. What was that interaction like? Yeah, so, um, and we, we, we love Brittany and her family. We're still good friends with them, but it all started with Noah and her meeting in the playroom, right? We're in the teen room here. But over on the other side of the hall is the is the te- is the playroom for the for the kids that are not teenagers and and Brittany had just gotten a feeding tube, which is part of you know the cancer fight. You you lose a ton of weight because you don't want to eat. You know the side effects of the chemo drugs make it so that you get mouth sores and it hurts and you just you don't want to eat, so you lose a lot of weight. And nor can you oftentimes keep the food down. And so a lot of kids get feeding tubes, and it's a tube that goes through your nose and goes all over your stomach, and it. At the end of it, that's where they pump different food stuff in through, um, you know, shakes and formulas. And Noah had just gotten his, you know, like three or four days before. And so we're about a week into Noah having the feeding tube, and Brittany had just gotten hers. And Brittany was a teenager at the time, or 13, like just just became one. So, you know, trying to figure out where she fits in life, going through all those emotions already. And she's like, I'm not going out of this room with a feeding tube in my nose because I don't want people to make fun of me and laugh at me. And Noah, you know, he had had his for a couple of days and started realizing the goodness that, you know, you can get from it. And so when he uh, was sitting in the playroom, he looked over and sort of saw her in, from her room, sort of looking out and, and trying to figure out what to do. And, and finally, she mustered up enough strength to come into the playroom. First time she'd been out of her room in like three days. And she sat next to Noah. And Noah just looked at her and Noah's six and she's 13, you know. And she's like, he's like, hey, how are you? What's your name? And she's like, well, my name's Brittany. He goes, I really like your feeding tube. And, you know, for her, it's like, oh my gosh, he notices this, right? And for him, it's like, isn't it really cool? Like, isn't it amazing how, you know, you don't have to like worry about medicines, tasting the bad medicine because they just put it in your tube. Right. You know, and like, sometimes I don't want to eat, but I like it because they can feed me when I'm sleeping. And so like, I can sleep and get fed and I wake up, I can play. And he starts talking about all these cool cool things that have to do with the feeding tube. Yes. And Brittany is just sitting here like, I never thought of that. Sure. I was just so worried about people making fun of me, but you're right. It is cool. It is fun. And it is helping me. I don't have to taste that nasty medicine, you know, that chalk and all the different things that it tastes like. And they just form this friendship right there in that moment of just talking about feeding tubes, mm. you know, around a, a play table of, of uh, I don't know, they were doing some craft. And um, and so that's that's how we met Brittany. And uh to this day, we uh, we look at her and just remember that moment where they they met and the bond they formed over something as you know crazy as a feeding tube, um, and you know again that's how how Noah just tried to find ways to turn every situation he's in into a positive and find the good in it, and he did that with a feeding tube. I want a perfect example of what can happen if you're just present mm-hmm. and you start having conversations with other people because you know oftentimes as we grow older, we see individuals and. You can even feel their strife, yeah. and instead of helping folks through that or or sharing a kind word or asking a, an interesting question that's not about work, weather, or family, we shy away from those. But here you have this six year old boy that's that's he's dealing with his own stuff, his own struggle that many people can relate to, and he's taking it upon himself because he's not in his head, he's right. not thinking about it, he's just he's just being yeah. right. He's doing the things that come naturally. And I find that oftentimes we fight the things that come naturally because we're in our head. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, what, well, they probably don't want to hear me talk or, you know, I don't want to create an uncomfortable situation yeah. or I'm scared that I won't know the answer that they're going to come back with and I won't be prepared to handle it or whatever it may be. So 
this kid just is absolutely fascinating to me. And let's circle back. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the Bandage Project. So obviously, the Batman Band-Aids, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I didn't know that aspect because I'm a huge fan of Teenage Mutant oh, Ninja Turtles. Who's your favorite Ninja Turtle? Uh, Michelangelo. Mine he's, too. He's a party Why? Dude. Party dude, man. He uh, he just has fun everywhere he goes, right? And and you know he he's just the nunchucks. I mean, they're cool. Yeah, scatterbrain. He's yep. the peacock of the group. Did you know that? <laughs> I, I I know that there's like different birds that represent different. That's right. Leonardo was the eagle. The eagle. Yeah. The eagle eyes and leader. Yeah. Yeah. Leo Leonardo was his favorite. He has a, a bear that he got. One of those um, build a bears. And he called it Leo. Sure. And that bear went everywhere with him. I mean, every, again, inside the hospital, outside the hospital, Leo would go everywhere with Noah. And it was after Leonardo, the uh, Teenage Ninja Turtle. Well, uh, we're going to talk about why I brought that up. The last thing I want to talk about in reference to what you said, um, Brittany is faced with a challenge, something that she sees as negative. And here you got Noah, who's six years old, that comes up with several positives. I recently interviewed a gentleman by the name of Adam Carroll, and uh, this one will probably air prior to his. But he talks about his, his mindset and why he's just constantly thinking about the good in life. And he said when he was a kid, his dad, whenever, whenever he came to his dad with something negative, he said that his dad forced him in that moment. He says, I want you to come up with three positive things about this negative that you just said. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but listening, listen to Noah's story and, and specifically his interaction with, with Brittany and think to myself, gosh, he was modeling that behavior yeah. and it just came innately or naturally. And so that's one challenge that I have to you guys. You know, any, anytime you're faced with a challenge or frustration or whatever it may be, jot down a couple of positive things that could come from it or positive ways to look at it. Because you might find a different level of perspective when you do that, as Noah did mm-hmm. on the reg. So he creates this bandage project. I mean, that day then he said, you know, I, yeah. I think that these, these bandages w- would be cool. He created a bucket and had, please donate fun bandages to Children's Mercy Hospital. What happened as a result of that? Yeah, so, so to, to go back, you know, he came downstairs, told my wife, Mom, I want to collect cool fun band-aids. But not only that, but he had gone and found a big blue toy bucket that was filled with Legos and stuffed animals and various things that he had gotten over the last couple of weeks. He dumped it out and he found a, a white piece of paper, wrote a sign all in blue crown. If you have any Band-Aids, put them in this bucket for Children's Mercy. And he taped it on the side of it and he brought it down. He's like, Mom, I want to collect Band-Aids. <clears throat> and so my wife's like, okay, well, let's, let's do this. Let's took a picture of it, put it on Facebook. We told our friends and our neighbors, hey, no one wants to collect cool, fun Band-Aids. You know, we'll put this bucket on our front porch and come by and, and drop off your, your Band-Aids if you got any. And we were thinking, you know, he'll collect, you know, maybe 100 boxes or so. Or, you know, it'll be really cool, and we'll take those to Children's Mercy. But I tell you, by the end of that first day of her post and that post, we had that bucket full, filled with, with Band-Aids from just neighbors, classmates, friends. By the end of the week, people were sharing that Facebook post all across, and we were getting emails from people in different states saying, where can I send Band-Aids? The thing just took off. Right. And that's, I mean, again, just the overwhelming, never anticipated this at all when Noah just had this little idea that it would turn into something that people are sharing. I mean, we had to open up a uh, post office box at the UPS store because we're getting emails from people we don't know. What's your address? I want to send you, you know, email, or send you Band-Aids. And I'm like, I'm not going to give our, my address. Right. <laughs> exactly. So we opened, we would go down to the street and we're like, hey, our son's collecting Band-Aids and we need to have some place to send them. Will you give us like a discount or something? They gave us like 15% off, and so we opened a a post office box. But it just grew, and the city got behind it. And 
Kansas City is the, uh, one, I, I believe, the most amazing city in, in the U.S. Just Shh, with, don't tell anybody. With the hearts. And, you know, you meet the most incredible people here. Um, and they just rallied around it. They heard about it. A couple of local news stations heard about it. And they came out and, and talked to Noah, started sharing a story. And it just, it, it took off. And that's how we ended up meeting, you know, Eric Hosmer and ultimately Danny Duffy and the Royals. And, and to look back and see, you know, so we just hit this last year. Uh, last, last month, 200,000 boxes. That's crazy. You know, Noah's goal was to take and deliver like 100 boxes of Children's Mercy, right? And after that first, you know, month of collecting, he collected 918 boxes. And so we took those 918 boxes and we brought them to Children's Mercy and we delivered them and we thought, this is awesome, this is great. This never stopped. And we just collected our 209th thousandth box, you know, it last month. Sure. And now these boxes go literally all over the world. We've been able to partner with some of the greatest foundations out there, Shadow Buddies, Giving the Basics, Operation Breakthrough. You know, uh, we, we just delivered, you know, about 10,000 boxes to Convoy of Hope that distribute them to kids, you know, in disaster areas. And the reach and the spread that this project that Noah started just out of the innocence of wanting to help his, his friends and give some fun and some you know, a different perspective on the journey and spread awareness has, has far exceeded anything that we'd ever imagined. So we've blown up, obviously, and I reference we because uh, I'm, you're, you're I'm part of it. I'm, I'm tied to You've the hip to you now. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about how we how we met and all of that jazz. But um, if you're an organization or an individual listening to this, and you know of another organization that could benefit from receiving boxes of band aids, and this isn't exclusive to kids going through cancer, any any child struggling mm-hmm. with something, um, these bandages go all over the world. You know, Africa. We've sent boxes to California, to Australia, Australia, all over the place. And so we're constantly looking for new partners that could benefit from. Noah's legacy and and these wonderful band-aids. So hit us up. Noah's Bandage Project is where you find additional information. We'll give you more of that here in a bit. But you mentioned sports, something that really, it's something that you find fun and takes you out of uh, of whatever headspace that you're in. And, and this is where we come full circle because yep. Noah's story is iconic. It's amazing. And it's it specifically what he did when faced with challenge and in the face of adversity. It was happening at the same time of the Royals' first playoff run in 29 years. So this is in the year of 2014. And so the Royals pick up on this story through all the various media outlets that you referenced and all the amazing connections that you guys formed as well. And they started doing bandage drives Mm -hmm. out at the K. And so I'm a diehard Royals fan, have been uh, since birth with my best bud, John Stoner, uh, (laughs) as you are well aware. And so we used to go out to the stadium and dress up in these really silly cat singlets, cat wrestling singlets. If you haven't heard of them or you don't know what it is, just Google Royals cat suits uh, in the images portion and you'll find which, exactly what we're talking about. Which Noah saw. He saw you guys out at especially the World Series and he's like, you see the cat suit guys? And then to be, you know, one day for him, you guys to be able to meet, which yes, is really cool. Which is crazy. So how that happened is we have a mutual mutual connect. And, and I hear and see this story of Noah and I've been... My whole life, just an emotional guy, and um, I connect very easily to individuals doing bigger things than themselves, and realizing that if you shower, you know, others with a genuine interest and, and kindness, then then the world can be a better place. So I see this story of this six year old boy, and I'm enamored, and I'm like, I got to meet this kid. 
And so we are connected through some other gentleman that uh, is a mutual friend of ours. And I call you and I say, your son's an inspiration. I've heard of him and I've heard of what he's doing and his Vantage project is crazy awesome. I would love to meet him. And he said, well, Scott, you said that that's amazing. He would like to meet you too. And I said, well, how the hell... How the hell does your son know me? And he goes, Well, you're you're one of the cat suit guys, right? <laughs> and I said, Indeed, I am. <laughs> yes, yes. I and am. so in that moment, I thought that I was going to be overwhelmed with excitement. I get to meet this real life hero. And that cannot be understated. I mean, this kid is a hero to many, still to this day, and, and his legacy grows on as time goes. But instead of feeling excitement and joy, I, I was overcome with anxiety and fear. It's my wife and I, we have two children, as you're well aware. And I thought to myself, how can I go into this room here at Children's Mercy and see this young boy fighting cancer and not see the face of one of our children and think to ourselves or think to myself, my, my goodness, like what if my, my kid was ever in this? How could I walk into this room and feel as though I could lift this boy up, somebody that's faced with this tremendous challenge, if, even if it's for 30 seconds? Knowing that he's, you know, battling this this terrible disease, how could I look you in the eye, knowing how much I admire you and your son, and and see the strife and the pain that you're going through, and what do I say? And these are all the things that are that are going on in my head, and I'm sure many of you could relate to, you know, our mind is a crazy place to be. So I walk in, I take that negative energy, and I go straight up to you. And I see Noah, and he appears to be tired, and it, it's been a long day, burdensome, and I could feel that energy. And I go up to you, and I say, you know, how many guests have you had here today? And you said, I don't know, it's a five or six. And I said, well, it looks like Noah's kind of having a bad day. Is he tired? Yeah, he's tired, but he's been looking forward to this. I said to you, maybe I should, I should come back another day. And you said, you know, you get your butt over there and you talk to my boy. He's been looking forward to this all day long and you were very pointed. And I did. I swallowed that that negative energy and I sat down and I just started talking to him. Yep. You know, the first question I asked him was about the Royals and that little that little frown that he had or that tired feeling kind of, it, it mitigated itself just a little bit and he smiled and we started talking about his favorite player, which is Eric Hosmer. And then I asked him about the crazy cats. And, you know, he smiles a little bit more. And then we start talking about band-aids and the Marvel Avengers. And I don't know if you recall, but we had that, that, that that, yeah, that Hulk bow tie because he's the strongest kid that I ever met. And in that moment, I realized the power that we, that we have. If you ask questions and you create conversation about things that the people are passionate about and that give them hope and strength, you could pull them out of a lot of, Mm -hmm. a lot of various bases. And so not only did Noah and I did that for each other because I was in my head and and he was in the moment. And all of a sudden, this amazing moment is created. And that was the beginning. That was the beginning of my love for you and your family and, and how you cope and you deal and my love for your son and my desire to to work with pediatric cancer research and be an advocate and ensure that ultimately we find a cure. So what do we do now? We we got the Bandage Project, and we've kind of switched gears. So let's talk a little bit about why we switched gears and what happened with Noah's story. Yeah. So the Bandage Drive was um, the Bandage Project was was all about spreading fun and smiles and, and ultimately awareness. You know, for for the difference that you can make by something so simple, right? And and Noah continued to fight. I told you he fought for fourteen months. And um, ironically, we're at Children's Mercy right now. This room 
uh, is the teen room, right? And this is where, because of the community sort of rallying around Noah and he- knowing a story and, and some of the news media following his story, we made the announcement in December of 2014 that Noah was in remission mm. in this room. And so this is a very, you know, special place for my wife and I. And and here we are now, you know, three and a half years later telling the story. But um, so he, we thought that he was, he was done. We thought that he beat this and it was just December. He had to finish his treatment. So we had another six months of treatment, which, you know, consisted of chemo every week and, and, uh, and so forth. And so we continued to go through and then, May 12th was his last chemo treatment. Um, so that was a great day. And then June 12th was his last radiation treatment. His treatment plan had both chemo and radiation. And so knowing, you know, holding on to that, that news that we had back in December of your son's in remission, all he's got to do is finish the treatment and then he'll be done, right? And we were excited. And so June 12th, we, we finished radiation. We had a big party. You I guys remember were that there, day. You know? And uh, a friend of ours by the name of Tim Grimes actually uh, commissioned a limo. Yep. And reached out to multiple folks, and I, I was blessed with the opportunity to provide some toys in that limo. And so this limo picks up, up Noah to, to take him to his final chemo treatment. It's filled with toys. Yep. I remember that you know vividly. I obviously wasn't there, but it was an awesome experience yep. to be a part of. So so last treatment, last treatment, and so we're we're celebrating. And fast forward two weeks, we're uh, June twenty sixth, my wife's birthday. And we were out at, at Dave and Buster's that night just to celebrate as a family. And Noah's just being a kid and he's riding my back. And, you know, I'm, I'm carrying the car. And, and he, he says, hey, Dad, can you pick me up? My leg kind of hurts. I'm like, okay, well, look, sure, I'll pick him up. And we go and just don't really think anything about it because we're on this, like, high of finishing treatment and celebrating my wife's birthday and all that. Well, next morning he wakes up. And he wakes up with a big bruise on his leg. And, um, you know, bruises were somewhat normal routine at this point because, you know, with the treatments, it depletes your, your hemoglobin level, levels, your platelet levels. And so, you know, blood transfusions were a common thing. He had 28 red blood transfusions throughout this treatment. He had 19 platelet transfusions. And so we, we as parents knew, oh, he's got a bruise. Platelets are probably low. Probably needs to get a transfusion. And so we call the doctor. They say, yeah, come on into Children's Mercy and, and we'll, get, we'll get him a transfusion. Well, you know, part of that transfusion is, is normal routine blood work. And this particular day, this is June 27th now, he, uh, he gets his blood work done and the doctors come in and they're kind of, you know, concerned to look on their face and like, well, you know, we did the blood work and you're right, he, he needs platelets, but we also see a really high white blood cell blast count, which isn't typical with Ewing sarcoma patients. What Noah had originally was Ewing sarcoma, bone cancer. These high blasts that we're seeing are really more common with leukemia patients. And, you know, Noah doesn't have leukemia. My Deb's talking to the doctor, like, Noah doesn't have leukemia. What are you talking about? Like, oh, no, I know he doesn't. And that's why we're concerned. I think we need to do some more testing. And later that day, more testing confirmed that Noah no longer had Ewing sarcoma. Now he had AML leukemia, which, you know, come to find out was a side effect of his cancer treatment. You know, the, the chemo that was working to save his life actually caused the secondary cancer now. And so immediately, you know, we were taken from this high and this excitement this, that we had the night before with celebrating my wife's, you know, birthday and just the celebration of the trial that he overcame only to be faced with a whole new journey that has a completely different treatment plan. And, you know, the first treatment plan with Ewing's was 14 months long. Leukemia is like three years long, right? And AML leukemia, which is an even more rare form of leukemia, 
you know, requires bone marrow bio- transplants. And, you know, in, in Noah's case, because he had already done 14 months of extensive chemo, a lot of the chemos that they would have normally given him, he couldn't have because his body was already, you know, depleted of, of being able to handle it. And so, you know, he was diagnosed with a secondary cancer. And three days later, you know. We lost him. And I remember that day. I remember you uh, inviting me, of all people. Um, uh, we had met probably three days, yeah. or three times total. Yeah. And uh, I heard that he had taken a turn for the worst. And so John and I come up, or no, I think it was just me, came up to the hospital. And uh, you invited me back. And this is one of the moments that changed my life. And this is the moment that I decided, like, this is not something that anybody should have to face. And so at this point, Noah's uh, in an uh, induced coma, yeah. right, if, if I recall. And Deb's laying on his bedside, um, holding his hand, and, you know, obviously in a, a horrific emotional pain. And I remember you saying, you know, talk to him, Paul. And, you know, overcome with emotion, I'm thinking to myself, what, what the heck do I say? Like, you guys are in the room, and I know that you guys are faced with this crazy challenge, and I'm seeing this young boy and uh, thinking about your pain and obviously thinking about him. And I, I couldn't help but obviously just break down. And so I'm rubbing his little baby bald head and so soft and amazing and, you know, talking to him. And it was, uh, it was a moment that, that, that significantly impacted my life. I wouldn't be sitting here with you if it wasn't for that moment. But something amazing came out of that. Yeah. And that's when we, um, following his passing... We shifted gears, so we not only raise fund bandages, uh, but we collect money for pediatric cancer research. Yep. And we've raised a significant amount of money for pediatric cancer research, and it's specific uh, to fighting these 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 cancer uh, identifiers that come from uh, medicine that we give these these kids. So, yep. talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, so Noah's passing, and ultimately the, the secondary cancer diagnosis. And, and really, the, the, what we learned through Noah's 14 months of fighting is that pediatric cancer is so horrible, there's not a word that can describe what it is. And living through it, my wife and I, you know, before Noah was diagnosed, saw the St. Jude's commercials of, of the, the cute, bald children, you know, on, on smiling. And, you know, the cancer journey is there's nothing cute about it. There's nothing fun about it. There's nothing, you know, these kids who are the most amazing kids you'll ever meet you know, turn this horrible thing into something that's so the grace they display. Right. And so what we learned through this is, is the limited funding, the the lack of real understanding that we really do know about childhood cancer. It's grossly overlooked and underfunded. And because of that, you have these side effects, things like secondary cancers, things that Noah fought, you know, all throughout his, his treatment. And so in his passing, we decided we, we got to make a difference. We, these kids deserve far more. And when we learned some horrible stats, things like, you know, every single day, 46 kids are diagnosed with cancer. Every single day, six kids pass away. There's 35,000 kids currently in treatment right now for childhood cancer They're in the U.S. And these are just U.S. alone stats. When you, you know, expand that to the world, they multiply. Sure. And in these things that we learn about what our son is going through and me and these kids, it's like you hear all these stats now. And the government only allocates 4% of the cancer budget to kids. 
So last year, I think it was around $3 billion they, they allocated to cancer research. Only about $170 million of that went to kids. Mm. Right? These kids who, on average, have 70 years of their life left. Right? Noah was six when he was diagnosed, and that, that's the average age of diagnosis for childhood cancer, six years old. So these kids who have their entire life ahead of them are given 4% of the funding to go and help us understand more about what causes these cancers, what, what side effects do these treatments have. Childhood cancer treatments, like chemos, radiation, they're the same treatments that we've been using for the last 20 years because in that time frame, there's only been three new drugs that have been introduced to kids. Crazy. All of those around leukemia. Sure. Right? Which isn't even the, the cancer that Noah had originally. Right. And so, you know, in that moment with our friends and our family, we're like, you know what? We're, Noah started something really special with this Bandage Project, and we want to continue that, you know, in honor of our son and continue to spread fun and and bring smiles to kids. But we also want to help give back on, on the research side and, and make a difference and bring hope and give these kids who are fighting a disease that none of them deserve an opportunity to have a, a full, long life. And, you know, I look at what Noah did in seven years and just imagine if he had 14. Right. Or 21. Right. You know, and I meet other kids, you know, Breckens, the Garretts, the Bradens, the Molinas, the... You know, Jonah's, the, uh, you know, Olivia's, I, I could go on and on and on, you know, Ella's, precious kids that if given a chance and given an opportunity to get past this disease that they're fighting that they did nothing to deserve, imagine what they could do. And, uh, and so we raise money now and we, we partner with Children's Mercy. Uh, all the money that we raise stays right here in Kansas City through Children's Mercy so they can go and, and, and do the research to, to bring changes in treatment plans, diagnosis the triggers that cause these different cancers. Um, so, so far we've been able to fund three different projects, you know, and what's really cool about those three, the first one we funded was a treatment or a, a trial that Noah himself was a part of. That's so and cool. we were able to continue it by funding the next phase of that. And then the last one that we're doing now is, is being done by Noah's primary oncologist, Dr. Guest. And so we, we, we try to fund not only research, but research that has a direct correlation back to, you know, the, the cancers that Noah had, Ewing sarcoma and leukemia, trying to partner with people that Noah was partnered with. And, um, you know, you mentioned we've raised a lot of money so far through the incredible generosity of the community, the world now who, you know, send donations, do banish drives and do fundraisers. People like Danny Duffy, Danny Duffy. Yeah. You know, who donated his wife, $1,000 per strikeout last year. And his wife, Sarah, man, they have the most incredible hearts. Uh, and last year alone, they, so the year before, they donated $500 per strikeout. And right. he said, I want to, for every strikeout I throw, donate $500. And we invited the community to, to join him in this pledge. And they raised $65,000 that year. Right. Just the, but themselves, you know, with the community, it was around $90,000. And he came to me at the, uh, during the offseason last year. He's like, you know what? That was cool, but. It wasn't enough. Mm. We want to double it. And so this last year, they donated $1,000 to strike out. And they helped us raise over $150,000 from him just going out there and pitching, doing his thing. you know. And so the community, the people like the Duffies, incredible sponsors that we've been able to partner with through like the likes of like Firemon where I work and you know Agape Montessori and all these different groups that we've been doing some incredible work with. We've donated over $600,000. And have a $1 million commitment to Children's and have Mercy a million dollar over commitment. a five-year span. So yep. Noah's Bandage Project, we have two primary goals. We raise fun bandages for kids going through it, 
And we raise money for pediatric cancer research. And ultimately, our goal is to provide a cure and and hope for kids and parents going through it. So, you know, in closing, a lot of things that we talked about today, the thing that really resonates with me in this story is, first of all, the willingness and ability of this six-year-old boy to constantly put others before himself and bring joy and kindness and spirit and fun to just about every situation. I mean, this boy, and one thing that we didn't even talk about is this boy changed the way that hospitals order supplies, you know, at the age of six and seven, respectively. What were we doing at the age of (laughs) six and seven, respectively? I mean, I was being a knucklehead. Yeah, I had plenty of G.I. Joes or something. I don't know. I mean, this kid... He changed the way that hospitals order supplies to the point where now hospitals do have these fun bandages at their disposal that they give out to kids in need. So the point of this podcast is to offer you some perspective and to realize that no matter, no matter what you're going through in life, somebody, somebody has it worse. And quite honestly, they're, they're probably handling it better. You've, you've heard me say that before. And the six-year-old boy I'm in awe of him. He changed my life and he brought you into my life, which I'm eternally grateful for. So if you're an organization that wants to learn more about Noah's Bandage Project, you want to partner with us in doing a bandage drive, or you want to learn more about potentially donating money, or you want to be a recipient of Fun Bandage, then go to noahsbandageproject.com. The story is featured there. The story is also featured in my book, Fundamism, Connecting to Life Through Fun, uh, the forward is by Travis Kelsey. And the reason why he agreed to do that is because he believes significantly in helping the kids of our of our society. And a portion of proceeds are going to Noah's Bandage Project to fund pediatric cancer research and the support of Children's Mercy Hospital. So in closing, Scott, you're an individual that's been faced with uh, an incredible amount of, of, of pain and strife and challenge, but yet here you are uh, consistently with a smile on your face and love for others. How do you do it, man? Hmm. Uh, my, I got an incredible wife and incredible kids, you know, who, uh, who give me so much joy and, and faith. You know, we couldn't get through what we went through as a family, as a dad, as a husband without the unbelievable faith of knowing that, you know, everything in life good can come from, you know, and that one day I'm going to see my little boy again, you know, and I miss him more than anything. and I'd do anything to have him back, but knowing that he's free from the trials and and pains of this world and that he's never, ever facing cancer again and that he's in paradise, smiling, playing baseball every single day, hitting home runs with the angels. Right. That gives me so much joy knowing that I'm going to be with him again one day. And so, um, uh, that, that's, that's how we do it. Well, you're truly a joy to be around. I admire you more than I will ever be able to express. And uh, I am blessed to have you as a friend and to be a part of such an amazing project. So noahsbandageproject.com. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Thank you, Scott, for being a guest and telling this yep. incredible story. We love you guys. Life is all about perspective. Go out, have some fun, shower others with kindness, find your fundamentalism. Have a blessed day. 